Get the little ones, sit back, relax, and listen to the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. Chapter 20 Malcolm sat alone in his spacious command office, deep within the bunker of the crime cabal. This office was designed to be impervious to attack, a fortress within a fortress. From the earliest planning stages of this bunker's construction, when he was still the chief lieutenant for the Sclarelli family, Malcolm had always envisioned this sanctum as an oasis, a private enclave where the elite men of crime might feel themselves truly secure, totally shielded from attack and thus completely free. Now it was his prison. He was deep under the city beneath a vacant lot, in a headquarters few knew existed, Two steel doors and a sixty-foot tunnel separated the fortress from the outside world. An armed camp of gangsters he could no longer trust stood between him and those doors. How many sided with him and how many with his former partners he could not say, but it only took one. Two men had been strong enough in his camp to leave the confrontation at his side, Simon and Len. On his orders, Len had left to summon more support from the outside, more former members of the Sclarelli mob, if any could be found. That was ten hours ago, and Malcolm had to admit he had no idea if the man was truly coming back, if he was successful in his quest, or indeed even if he had been allowed to leave. Had the roles been reversed, Malcolm would never have let his enemy out of his sight. Simon had left the office to sound out the feelings of the men. Those once loyal to Sclarelli must surely feel a sense of obedience to Malcolm. Even those who had formerly been members of rival factions must feel some gratitude to Malcolm for reorganizing, including them, for giving them another chance to rule the city. Mustn't they? Three hours after Simon had left the sanctuary of Malcolm's office with no sign of his return... Malcolm was forced to concede that perhaps they did not. He still held the belief that most of his men would rather deal with someone they could trust, someone who did business as they always had, as their fathers had, someone who understood that even crime had certain rules, a code of conduct. But if even a handful were loyal to the mad fools that he himself had recruited, if only a few were ready to do the bidding of Kid Chaos and Professor Zombie... A bloodbath would follow. He gripped the forty-five he had been holding for hours. Hard. If he could hold this office, maintain at least a semblance of command. He choked a little at how hollow his own words sounded, even to himself. The office was bulletproof. It was fireproof. It had a ventilation system separate from the rest of the bunker. Even Chaos's bombs could not penetrate the door. But he was cut off and there could be little doubt that he was in hiding. Still, in this, his hour of darkness, he could not accept his own fault, could not accept the truth that all criminals must learn in the end. One by one, the organized rackets in the city had fallen before the daring of an unpredictable new foe, one that could not be bought like the law or intimidated like the people, an enemy that could not be defended against by the normal rules of gang warfare because territory and tribute were not among their goals. These self-appointed guardians of justice, whatever that meant. They sought nothing less than the outright destruction of the crime that preyed upon a desperate city, at any cost. And what a cost it had been. 
In the months since they turned their full attention to organized crime, mobs that had stood the test of time had been wiped out. Everything Malcolm had known had been pulled down around him. He had felt in his heart that it would take something more than he could give to end this reign of terror. These super-criminals had given the Red Panda such trouble with their own small gangs and bizarre plots that surely twinning their creativity to his organizational genius and the last best hopes the underworld had to offer, surely that would bring destruction to his enemies. And yet here he sat, alone. He began to panic just a little. There was a tightness in his chest suddenly. He coughed once as he struggled to compose himself. His knuckles were white with the effort as he recovered his veneer of control. He breathed deeply and calmly. There must be some way out of this. There must be some way out. If only he could make that tunnel. If only somehow he could hit the bright light that burned around the clock in Fong's laundromat. Then he'd make them pay for casting him aside. If he could only have the chance, he'd sing to the cops, to O'Malley, even to the Red Panda himself. Malcolm laughed at the thought, lost for a moment in the sheer fantasy. It never occurred to him that these same thoughts, this same giddiness, had passed over hundreds of men as the treacherous net of his fellow gangsters closed in on him that these same thoughts had come to men whom he had betrayed and ordered killed before they could act on their last desperate plots. All he could think of was the final revenge he would have if he could only one more time taste the sweet air of freedom. Sweet air. Something was wrong. Malcolm coughed again. The air was heavy and had a sweet aftertaste. It burned a little, though he hadn't noticed it at first. He couldn't say how long it had been like that. Had it just begun, or had he been sitting in it oblivious like a frog in a slowly boiling pot? He staggered to his feet. Of course. The ventilation system. It was separate from the rest of the bunker. But if they got to the control center and knew what they were doing, they could gas him where he stood and not affect the rest of the building. Malcolm struggled to place a handkerchief over his mouth. He tried to think what they might be using. He had tasted tear gas and heard poison gases described by men who had fought in the Great War. This was nothing like any of them. Besides, the crime cabal had no stockpile of noxious gases, and they were unlikely to bring them in just for this. Not when they had him trapped like a rat. If they were going to kill him, they'd want it to be on the sly. Bringing gas canisters through the main entrance didn't seem likely. No. It had to be something on hand, something... something from the laboratory. Now Malcolm began to truly panic. This could be almost anything. This could... No. In an instant, he remembered something Professor Zombie had. Something he hadn't listened to. A, a necronium 234 and a suspension of... something. Then she... Electrified the field. He couldn't remember, and it didn't seem to matter. They were pumping the room full of the gas that would turn him into a zombie. What had she said? Leech from his body the sweet gift of life and leave only cold obedience? 
That was how they planned to keep control of the organization. They would use him as a puppet, keep him isolated but on side. The men would assume that the confrontation had blown over and Malcolm had become a figurehead. They would cease to question the arrangement, and when Malcolm was well and truly forgotten, he would meet with an accident, and no one would ever be the wiser. It was brilliant. It was exactly what he would have done had he the means. Well, he thought, at least I can cheat them of that. And for a moment the barrel of the forty-five was in his mouth. If he blew the back of his head off, there would be no nice, tidy corpse to resurrect. At once, he heard a small noise outside the door. Through that great mass of iron and bulletproof glass, any sound that could penetrate would be far from subtle. He gripped the handle of his forty-five, his Roman act for the moment forgotten. If they were coming for him, by God, he would take a few of them with him. He crept up to the small portal in the door and turned back the cover. Through the thick pane of bulletproof glass, he could see... One man... Only one, and it was Hook Henderson. The fool was monkeying with something when he was on the wrong side of the door. Must be trying to force the door, but instead of working the lock, he was playing with the intercom that was built into the wall. Henderson worked feverishly for a moment, and then suddenly he was finished, though Malcolm could not say what he thought he might have accomplished. Henderson stepped back from the door and smiled at Malcolm through the window, as if he had known the crime lord was there the whole time. He waved slightly, in a flippant manner, and stood watching. Malcolm was furious. He jammed the speaker button on the intercom to tell Henderson just exactly what he thought of traitors. At the moment he did so, the short circuit Henderson had set up inside the intercom system overloaded and arced inside the sanctum. The suspension solution was electrified in a mighty surge of power throughout the room, and Malcolm felt the necronium 234 he had inhaled activated, like a thousand icy knives cutting into his brain from the inside. And at that moment, Malcolm learned the truth that all criminals must one day accept, that evil only begets evil. With a final scream, Malcolm found his way out. This is Jack Ward. And on behalf of everyone here at the Mutual Audio Network, we wish you, your family, and all your friends safe harbor during these difficult times.